Digital brings you Launch Base. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. The world of tech startups reimagined. Build and elevate your idea, product, and company as we take you behind the scenes with successful entrepreneurs, investors, and tech professionals. These mentors showed me a map of success. Learn from inspiring stories, business strategies, and marketing techniques that will take your business to the next level. Are you ready? And now your host, John Radford. Hi, and welcome to another episode of LaunchBase podcast, all about tech startups and everything digital products. If you are a startup just starting out on your journey or a corporation looking to be a bit more agile in your product development, we've got you covered. So today's podcast, we're delighted to have Nick Miller, country manager, UK country manager, I should say, of Payfit UK. Nick is a seasoned entrepreneur, having built many businesses, previously Procter & Gamble, I think it is, and now currently UK country manager at Payfit. Nick, thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks a lot, John. Yeah, absolute pleasure, Nick. So perhaps you could kind of, um, we're going to sort of work back to front to talk a little bit about your history, you know, what, you, what you've previously done, launched businesses, you know, in particular Buzz Hive, you know, because we kind of helped you build that and it's super awesome. And, uh, you know, we had a good relationship there and kind of talk about your history and how you ended up where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been working in tech for about the last nine or 10 years. As you said, most recently, before my current role at Payfit, I was uh, launching my own business. But before that, just to give a bit of a kind of background, I worked for a company called Rocket Internet, which is a, a German company that is very well known for launching very fast growing tech companies around the world. In the UK, they're quite well known for HelloFresh is one of their success stories in uh, Europe. Zalando is one of the largest e-commerce platforms that they launched. And so I, I started my journey into tech through Rocket Internet, hired essentially as kind of a, a founder of, of some of their businesses. So I worked with them in Taiwan, in Vietnam, in Africa, launching Jumia, which is the Amazon equivalent for Africa, which recently IPO'd, and in the UK with a business called Eat First. So those that was my intro to tech and to high growth businesses. And then uh, I launched, as you said, BuzzHire myself, which was a temp staffing software to manage your flexible workforce in hospitality and in logistics. Ran that for multiple years, built the tech with your help, John, over a few years, <laughs> and uh, eventually merged the business with a recruitment company before uh, moving on to, to become the country manager of Payfit. Yeah, awesome. So it's safe to say that you kind of know know your tech and you, you've kind of got quite a lot of experience from kind of building fast-growing companies and so seeing some successes and some failures perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. Different business models, different geographies, but very much driven and enabled by technology and very fast-growing in all, in all cases. Yeah, cool, cool. So today, um, we want to focus a little bit on Buzz High, your experience there. I want to touch upon a couple of points in terms of yourself being a kind of a solo founder, how that journey was, building out a team, raising money, and, you know, your kind of what what the experience was there, any advice you can give to people from, from that point of view, and your kind of exit as well, and, you know, why why you did that, why you exited the business, and and 
you know, just really touch upon all of those things and see what we can kind of pass down to people who are kind of embarking on that journey. So the first point is that why, you know, what inspired you to create Buzz? So you you mentioned Rocket Internet. And so that was kind of the next transition, I guess, for you. Like, what was the inspiration to create Buzz Hire and do it on your own, I guess? Yeah, I, I, I think there was a few things, off, obviously, after launching and being involved in launching many different businesses in different countries. I'd seen the growth that we I was able to achieve with my co-founders on my own and was very confident in my ability to launch my own business. And uh-huh. then specifically Buzz Hire was because I was uh, the country, sorry, the, the managing director for a business called Eat First, which is part of the Rocket Internet portfolio. It's a, a fast food delivery business. So it's own kitchen delivering meals across London in 15 minutes. And uh, basically, wow, kind of I, like seven years too early, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. So very much ahead of its time, and um, really kind of right at the beginning when Deliveroo was taking off and Uber Eats hadn't launched yet. So that was a very interesting business, and I found that managing my flexible labor, the drivers, the kitchen staff was really the biggest challenge that we had, especially as we were growing, we had a high amount of seasonality and we were working with a number of different agencies to supply our staff. And I just really saw that this was a huge change, shift in kind of the way that companies manage their labor. Uh, Many more companies were going and focusing on temporary stuff. And so there was really a big market dynamic that focusing on flexible workforces was something of the future and that the the players that were owning most of the market share in these industries were quite traditional so the agencies hadn't involved that much so i really saw there was a huge opportunity to leverage technology and i felt very confident at that time in my ability to do that on my own and at the same time i think the the final trigger that really helped was that i was introduced to investors at a very early stage. So I think that's one of the hard things for founders to make that shift is, you know, how am I going to fund this? What's going to fund my my personal life and the business going forward? And I was able to secure that very early on in the process. So really giving me the confidence to then kind of move on. I, I essentially had yeah. kind of a letter of intent to say that investors would invest if I if I took on the project. So that was the trigger that allowed me to stop my 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 employment. Okay, well, that's, that's interesting. So it sounds like you, um, I'm, I'm going to call it a luxury, a slight luxury in that you had kind of that pre-funding. And are these from your network or were you reaching out to people at that stage? Yeah, so it, this is a critical moment for every founder, but I um, yeah. was able to try out, find through my network. So I was living with someone, a friend of mine at the time, who introduced me to his network of investors. And so that was great to have that start to the business. Mm -hmm. But I would say that the whole fundraising journey anyway is long. And that if you have, you know, a good start at the beginning doesn't necessarily mean that that will continue for the next race. So the fact that I didn't really need to work that hard for the first investment actually meant that I needed to work much more for the second because I didn't have a network of my own outside of the initial investors that put money in. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. So I'm going to stretch my memory here, but I seem to remember launching pretty fast with just an iOS app at the time and a, and a web platform, which then obviously grew into, I think you had two iOS apps, uh, Android apps as well, and the platform grew. And, you know, So was that a conscious decision on your part to kind of launch fairly lean, single platforms on the mobile side and kind of grow the product from there? Yeah, so obviously the, the flexible labor sector needs mobile-first strategy. A lot of the communication with the workforce was done on the phone so that we, needed, we knew that we needed an app for the different workers on the platform. And yeah, we started with a iOS app. Soon after, whether we needed iOS, we wanted Android as well. So those were the, the two kind of focuses that we knew that we needed. We actually had, if I remember correctly, it's a long time ago now, but we actually had a mobile web version to start with that we started with and then we, we expanded into the apps. I think in hindsight, we probably accelerated a little quickly because we built an iOS app for our worker, an Android app for the workers, and then built a client app for the businesses, right. which in hindsight probably overstretched us at a very early stage. So I think what I learned from running BuzzHire, uh, which I always knew that really, really crystallized in my mind, is that less is more in the sense that do mm-hmm. you know, understand what you really need as an interface with your users and really focus on making that specific interface fantastic and work really well before branching out to do more and more, especially in relation to the resources you have. So, you know. Okay, that's, sure. that's fantastic. I want to I touch on that a little bit more with the less is more, because this is ringing true for a lot of our clients and, you know, conversations that I've had with a lot of people. But when you say when you say less is more, do you mean less is more functionality or across platforms or what, what specifically we're we talking about here? We're we talking about pinpointing what the product does, keeping that little kernel of the idea and always referring back to that Moscow methodology and all that sort of stuff and then building out the product. Yeah, I, I think in all of those things, I mean, actually, less is more can relate to everything right. that you just said. So um, what is your what is your selling point? What are you trying to achieve? Be really focused on like, what is the one thing that you want to, uh, what objective that you want to achieve? And what are the, the interfaces, therefore, that are really necessary to achieve that? And be really great and fantastic. So you're really allocating whatever resources you have to deliver something at a high level of excellence, but in a very specific focus. If you try and do too much across too many platforms with too many different objectives, you'll just achieve mediocrity in all of them. And that won't make a significant difference in the market. So I think for me, across even when you have huge amount of resources, I think it's an important Focus, like how do I allocate those resources to achieve a high level of excellence or make a big progress versus my objective in that specific thing that is important to me and not say that eight things are important to me and therefore I need to be on 12 different platforms or whatever it may be. <laughs> uh, that's that's really cool. And actually, an interesting point on that is the high level of excellence. So, you know, now we have quite a sort of, convoluted marketplace, tons of new startups coming up every single week. You know, 
a, a, the uh, concept that an idea is truly unique is is obviously that that doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, well, if it does, then you know, good luck to you, well done. You know, you've got sort of like that instant product market fit. But I think trying to find product market fit and find that excellence. Do you see that as being then through the execution of a product, not necessarily in the kernel of an idea? Yeah, no, absolutely. The execution is everything. And I think, yeah, it it comes down to focus. And I think focus is key. So it's understanding what specific, really understanding your user like down to the last detail and understanding what problem you're solving for them and being really kind of crystal mm-hmm. clear about that from a very early stage. And, you know, you can do that from user research, from, uh, you know, of course you can test things at an MVP level with little investment yeah. just to really define that as clearly as possible. But once you've defined that specific use case and problem that you're solving, and then you really need to drill down on it. So I guess I'm not saying that you need to achieve a high level of development in the feature that you're focusing on, but I think that it's just whatever test you do needs to be very focused. You need to really understand what you're trying to achieve Who's the user that um, the type of user they have, and how are you tracking this specific objective with what you're trying to achieve, and keep that top of mind as you go through that. And as you start to learn, you may pivot and move into a different direction as you realize that actually your theory or your thesis hypothesis on this isn't what you expected, and you found a better direction. But I think the key thing is like all along this, make sure that you're, what you're tracking is very focused, whether it's at a user level or it's at an objective level, you understand what you're trying to do and how, and, uh, and you track it properly. I think at BuzzHire at the beginning, if I think back, we had a huge market trend, you know, flexible workforces across, which is really relevant across multiple industries. And we wanted to do you know, release quickly, that was obviously key speed is important. I think that's still very important. Yeah. But we we kind of weren't that specific on the industries that we would want to focus on, on how we would make things better for the, each specific user, which user was really important to us. So I think thinking about those things, spending some time to really understand who that user is and, and how you want to make their life better. And I think, like you said, there's so many businesses, right? out there you know whoever if you're selling to a business or if you're selling to a the consumer they have so many different distractions you really need to come across with one clear message in how you're going to solve something for them mm. and really make sure that everything you do rings true on that message yeah. and, and understanding that early on i think is is helpful to save you money and resources in the long run yeah yeah, I mean, sort of coming out of the Wise Y Combinator uh, podcast series, they they advise that there, there needs to be the how and the why in one sentence, and and that's it. And it has to grab you that quickly in order to kind of keep the user's attention, also just to hook them in and get them interested in what your product is. Yeah. So, okay, that I mean, that's that's really interesting. And so on the user user front, when we're talking about knowing our users, finding out about those who they are and what we're building for them and the problem that we're solving for them, we're doing some of that research before, we're doing some of that research after. I mean, how would you weight that? 
Yeah, well, I I, um, I tend to be very much a doer and, and and trying to have real data to track. So I would have mm-hmm. um, I, I, it can I, I, this is my specific preference, but I would have a, a hypothesis about something that it's been created over multiple years of experience and time of understanding an industry or a problem and very quickly would like to test my hypothesis. So what I would say is that this idea of understanding your user and the objective and tracking how you're achieving that and whether you're solving it and whether it's a real pain to solve or not is something that I would be thinking about constantly as I test rather than because you could spend a lot of time doing desktop research, looking online, understanding what competition is doing, understanding what the industry is doing. But until you really get into the detail of a problem, so you know, putting something in front of a specific user, going out and talk to, talking to prospective clients, you really don't understand what's under the hood. So, yeah, you obviously need to have be, feel. A high level of confidence in your hypothesis, but as soon as you have something that you feel confident with, I would start testing that hypothesis and track it quite quickly. And this this idea of understanding your user and their problem and how to solve it never really ends. You 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 gain no. more and more confidence on it, but you need to continue to track it and understand how you know different features that you're building help to solve that problem do they help or not what are the reasons users love your platform what are the reasons they don't love your platform and continue to kind of map that out to understand you know what is your north star and you know how do you use what you've built or the the solution that you offer them yeah and that's really interesting so i'm going to put you in the shoes of a young entrepreneur who comes to born quite rightly um they're smart and you know they're they're getting a product built and we're we're kind of advising them but ultimately you know that there's only so much advice we can give to people it's their product they need to take the reins are you a fan of like a big bang launch, you know, here we go, here we are, you know here's my new startup or are you a fan of a kind of Right, let's try and get a, like a thousand people, small little beta, and then grow from there and just continuously evolve the product. Yeah. So, uh, just uh, on the product side, I think just to go back a bit in related to the, the focus thing. So, I, I think when you're just launching, try to build um, a product that does like one thing very well. And, and then, in terms of the Big Bang mm-hmm. launch or not, I I tend to think not to do a big bang launch. Uh, it, it really depends. There's so many things that you need to understand at the beginning about your users, about the way that people use the product, about uh, you know uh, things that you didn't know before. So there's always this conversation around the lean start and like just get users. So I think you mm-hmm. you should start lean, but also for me, lean means pick a very specific thing to do and do it well. It doesn't mean pick like three or four things and do them kind of in a poor way. Pick just one thing, do it quite well. So you're not picking many things. So like resources wise, it's not a huge investment. And then see and, and gather data from customers. When you're really confident that you found 
something that works that customers like that can they can you know refer other customers or etc then i think is when you say okay like this is we found the right fit you may not really have product market fit completely because it takes time to build that but you have a lot more degree of confidence to go out there and really market it and accelerate once you've gathered enough user data yeah, cool. Uh, that, that's really interesting. And so uh, moving on from that, let's assume we've got product market fit, we've raised some money, um, because I, I want to touch upon your experience of building a team and then, you know, what you guys are up to at PayFit. Now you're kind of managing a team. I want to just to, to potentially give people a little bit of advice on the first hires, what to look for, and yeah, see if you can help yeah. some of our young founders on from that point of view. Yeah, I, I think the the soft side of the first hires in terms of their soft skills and how you get along with them and their kind of what are their values and the cultural fit is increased insanely important. That you know, wow. I think yeah. you, 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 you that. Obviously, if you're looking for a technical co-founder or you're a technical founder, you, you know, experience helps, especially on the technical side. You want to know that they they have those skills to build the things that you, you want to build from a technical side. If you're looking for a technical co-founder, if, if you're not, if you're just looking for kind of early employees, then it's really about building a team that becomes a family. So do you... <laughs> You know, do you want to work and spend and commit your life to something with these people or not? And that's much more important than what, you know, what their background is and what their experience is. That does matter for sure. And it kind of depends also at the kind of industry and what you're doing. But launching a business is really a massive investment on your time and on your mind. And so you want to share that with people that you enjoy working with. And I think that's of critical importance. And if you don't prioritize that, it will come back to haunt you and the, the future success of the business. If, if, if you don't work well together, if, if you burn out because you don't share the responsibility uh, amongst you, then this, the business will suffer. So I think really understanding that you need to have a great fit with someone and not valuing just their experience is is key. And I think it's important yeah. to align on ambition in the long run. It's very hard to know where the business will take you, but to understand what are the you know objectives over the next five to 10 years for the people that you're working with is important. Because yeah. you know, important for you and important for them, they need to buy into it, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. It's hard to predict. I mean, I think people are just looking these days one or two or three years out. It's very hard to plan five or 10 years, but yeah. you can have some questions around what kind of business would you be interested in working in five years from now? If someone you know, is interested mm-hmm. in, having, in, in, in working in a small lifestyle business, kind of nine to five, and, and they have like a really good working a life balance, that's one kind of potential outcome. Or uh, another one is working in a massive business, which has raised a lot of capital, hundreds of employees, and in multiple cities or countries, mm-hmm. etc. And there's a, th- a completely different journey. So I think just 
understanding and being transparent about what you see is the future, what you would want to work towards and what your goal is and being aligned on that is important. Reality will be very different perhaps yeah. because you can't predict, but at least you can be transparent and aligned on those things from the outset. That's awesome. So we're kind of almost defining culture and values as well from day one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think understanding what's important to you, I think a lot of founders will probably do this without really uh, either really defining it. They know and they can kind of see in other people values that they they value essentially. But I do think it's important for the business and for all the future hires to say like, this is what I really care about. This is what I want this company to stand for. And that in itself will attract the right people. If someone reads that and and understands that, okay, yeah, I, I can, I buy into that. Then you're building a team that are focused and motivated around the same kind of vision. Yeah. Okay. And that's it. So it seems to me like you've you've bought into the vision of PayFit, currently UK country manager. And you mentioned the two the two sides of the businesses. You've got the kind of the lifestyle business, then you've got the sort of large, high scaling business, um, raising lots of money. I think I had a quick look. You guys have raised around a hundred million. I think it is at PayFit. Yeah. So you know you're you're quite far down the journey. So talk to us a little bit about that and what what you're doing there and how you're building out your products there. Yeah, absolutely. So PayFit's a payroll HR solution for SMEs. It's a sector which hasn't innovated, especially the payroll sector, for many years across Europe. A lot of providers that have been around for decades or or doing things within a non-digitized way. So a very interesting sector. But the the really interesting thing about PayFit is the, the culture and the values that we just talked about is really at the forefront Mm-hmm. Uh, of the company, we, we the vision is to make a work a source of fulfillment for everyone, and that's really our main priority. We know that if we can do that, great business outcomes will come, will will be achieved. And so the goal is really to build an environment where it's more than just a traditional workplace; it's a a, a, a source of fulfillment for people, and that's really compelling. And you know, having built different businesses in different spaces. That's what I was looking for. I, I want to work somewhere where I really don't consider it work, where I really enjoy the intellectual stimulation and the uh, camaraderie of working alongside other great people that I enjoy working with. And, and, I, and that's the case at PayFit. It's got a very strong culture. People are really at the center of it. And yeah, beyond that, that's delivering incredible growth because We've got a business which has grown from one to five countries in a few years and from just a team of three co-founders to 600 employees in the same space of time. So, yeah, but I think that having clear values, defining them and focusing on them and a vision that people can buy into is critical for long-term success. And that's definitely the case at PayFit and one of the reasons for our, our great growth of the last few five years. Well, it's really interesting that you're, you know, putting some of the success and the, the you know, the, the metrics for growth down to to that. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a really nice takeaway, I think, for, for people, because it kind of goes back to your original point of focus and focusing on something. And then, you know, if you can kind of build the culture and the values into that focus, then 
you're giving yourself the best chance. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And as as a founder starting out, I mean, you you need people. You need to be authentic in what you do, and need to be clear about what you want to achieve. Because there's so many businesses out there. There's so many interesting, cool startups that offer like nice parks and kind of nice stories. And I think it's really about mm-hmm. saying. Who, what kind of business are we? Who am I? What do I care about? What kind of environment do I want to create? Because, you know, in a business, you're creating an environment, you're creating a family. What does that look like? And make it very unique to you because that's how you're going to separate yourself in terms of attracting the right talent. And if you can create a team that works well together, that goes a long way to being successful in what you're trying to do. Awesome. Well, Nick, uh, we're kind of reaching the end of uh, our allotted time. That's a nice point to end on. We've got some really good takeaways from here. Thank you very much for your time, Nick. And, you know, all the best in the future at PayFit. Thank you very much, John. It's been great to chat to you today and uh, good luck with everything yourself. Cool. Cheers, Nick. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of LaunchBase, brought to you by Born Digital. Mission complete. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. For more info and to stay connected off the show, visit launchbase.fm.